This conference will now be recorded. Okay, well, we'd start with our review of the, the uh, week that's just passed. So last week, we saw investment markets rise sharply as the possibility of continued easing from the European Central Bank coupled with the surprise rate change from China drove risk, risk assets higher. Within equities, developed markets slightly outperformed emerging markets with European markets posting the strongest gains. Within fixed income, US and European corporates outperformed global corporates and sovereigns. And within commodities, nearly all commodities declined, led by energy, with only some select soft commodities posting a slight gain for the week. In FX, the US index rose sharply on the back of the dovish stances from the European and Chinese central banks. And we continue to prefer the US dollar over all currencies and developed markets over emerging markets. So this, looking forward to the next week, sorry, looking forward to looking at last week, economic data this week was above expectations in the US, Europe and China and below expectations in Japan. In the US, very strong housing data was supportive of our preference for US home builders and a stronger manufacturing reading indicates that the slowdown in growth momentum that we're currently seeing will likely be temporary. In Europe, we saw stronger manufacturing and services data pointing to a continuing recovery, while the still dovish European Central Bank displayed their willingness to continue to support the economy, either by extending or expanding the quantitative easing program. In Japan, economic and trade data were weak, as export and trade balance fell due to weaker external demand. However, manufacturing data was a key positive. In China, stronger consumption and economic growth are beginning to show the positive effects of earlier stimulus. But ever-weakening manufacturing data shows a continued slowdown in growth momentum in the region. The surprise drop in interest rates highlights the government's willingness to support the economy through further stimulus. So within the United States, as we said, housing data was stronger the vast majority of housing data was above expectations, and manufacturing was stronger, as market PMI data and Kansas City manufacturing was above expectations and the prior month. There is no change to our view. The outlook for markets is positive, however temporarily curbed by some declining growth momentum and tightening liquidity conditions. Uh, we believe that more sustainable gains will be possible, but really after this phase of slowing growth momentum concludes. Equity valuations remain slightly elevated in absolute terms, but rising earnings growth will be supportive of growth-sensitive sectors, whilst rising interest rates will negatively impact liquidity-sensitive sectors, with equities overall closing the relative valuation gap to fixed income. So on that basis, we remain positive consumer discretionary and home builders and technology, and negative on utilities, rights and commodities. Europe was above expectations, consumption was weaker as consumer confidence was below expectations in the prior month, but manufacturing was stronger and services were stronger, with the market PMI data above expectations <coughs> and the prior month. A monetary polish was dovish as the ECB left policy rates unchanged and President Draghi outlined his willingness to extend the quantitative easing program if necessary. Uh, no change to our view, growth momentum is likely to continue to decline weighing on markets in the near term. However, still improving outright economic growth and loose monetary conditions will ensure earnings upgrades will continue to broadly support and enhance the current valuations. Cyclical sectors remain the key beneficiaries and country selection 
continues to grow in importance as the cycle progresses. We are positive on the banks, the consumers, industrials and capital goods, and negative on the commodities. Japan was below expectations, so economic growth was weaker, as the all-industry activity indicator was in line with expectations, but below the prior month. Investment was stable, and manufacturing was stronger, as the Nikkei manufacturing PMI was above expectations and the prior month. And trade was weaker, as exports and the trade balance were well below expectations and imports were above expectations, but below the prior month. So no change on our view. Exposure to China and the emerging markets is likely to continue to weigh on Japan in both its trade exposure and an unwind of the Japanese yen carry trade. Equities remain attractive, undervalued on both absolute and relative terms, yet to capitalize on an improvement in the US or global growth, a recovery which earnings are yet to reflect. Sectors remain sectors exposed to areas of US growth and the US dollar, including technology and industrials, are likely to benefit in volume and value terms, whilst those exposed to China, emerging markets and material are likely to continue to be pressured. China was above expectations, with consumption stronger as retail sales were above expectations on the prior month. Economic growth was stronger, uh, but manufacturing was weaker and continues to be weak as industrial production was below expectations. Monetary policy, as we saw, was dovish, with the unexpected lowering of interest rates, deposit rates, and the reserve requirement ratio. So in terms of looking forward to next week, in the US, we think additional housing data will confirm our continued preference for home builders, whilst regional PMI surveys, investment, and economic growth data should give us insight into the growth momentum in the region. We expect consumption data to be key to our preference for consumer discretionary and retailers. We expect the Federal Reserve will leave rates unchanged at their meeting this week, whilst maintaining a hawkish bias towards a possible rise later this year. In Europe, consumer confidence and money supply data will provide insight into the ongoing effectiveness of the ECB's quantitative easing programme, whilst employment data will be key to the ongoing recovery of the region. In Japan, general economic data should shed light onto the recovery of the region, with weak data continuing to highlight a need to expand the programme. In China, consumption and profits data will provide a data-driven update on the effectiveness of the ongoing monetary stimulus. Uh, turning to our research piece for this week, uh, we have updated, given the market turbulence we've seen, we thought we would update where we are in terms of market valuations. Uh, so we have taken what was produced in the quarterly and we've, we have updated it to see where the turbulence has left us. Essentially, um, the key points from this are that everything is still expensive. However, everything is also relative. And so whilst equities are slightly expensive on conventional metrics and against their own history, they are less so than fixed income and most real assets. The outlook for growth and liquidity is key to the valuation outlook as it both forms and closes valuation gaps. From a cyclical perspective, declining growth momentum and changing liquidity growth are likely to see equities remain under pressure in the current quarter until we, we think there'll be a likely upward turn in early two, uh, 2016. From a secular perspective, with the global economic expansion still on track and productivity likely to rise, equities pre uh, present the best opportunities while falling US dollar liquidity leaves fixed income the most at risk from volatility. So equities overall, we think, are slightly overvalued on conventional metrics, 
and on through the cycle earnings and will likely remain under pressure in an environment of declining growth momentum and slowing US dollar liquidity growth. However, equities do remain attractive relative to fixed income and especially on a secular basis. Growth-sensitive developed market equities are the best positions of interest rate sensitive and emerging markets are the most at risk. Fixed income is expensive on all conventional metrics. Riskier credits, especially emerging market and high yield, remain significantly expensive and at risk as the cycle matures and liquidity conditions change. The real returns on the more secure areas of fixed income will generate low or negative real returns for investors. However, safer credits are still preferred where global liquidity conditions are changing. And in terms of real assets, these remain expensive on all measures, leaving only relative trade to capitalise on. Secular and secular opportunities exist where liquidity is still being injected and where hard asset prices are yet to capitalise on the short shortage of long-duration assets. So in terms of our current investment positioning, for core portfolios, we, remain, uh, we retain our preference for equities over cash, and fixed income to capitalise on the continued global economic expansion, despite periods such as we're seeing now of declining growth momentum and slower liquidity growth. We retain our preference for developed markets over emerging markets, and within developed markets, the US, Europe and Japan are preferred, whilst commodity economies are to be avoided. Within cash and liquids, we have a preference for selected corporates over financials and both over governments as corporate balance sheets are robust and free cash flow stable. Um, looking towards our tactical portfolios, we have a preference for selected equities and cash and liquids over fixed income during the current period of declining global growth momentum, or within an economic expansion that is still on track. The preference for equities is highly selective, with growth-sensitive assets preferred to liquidity-sensitive assets, as slowing US dollar liquidity growth will result in bouts of volatility and risk reversals within the environment ultimately negatively impacting carry trade sensitive assets, including emerging markets, high yield credits and commodities. And within the opportunistic portfolios, we still retain a preference for developed market assets positioned for the continued yield premium in direct, direct investments over public markets and the potential for greater capital upside given the current point in the economic and market cycle. And with that, are there any questions from the phone line? Any questions from the room? I disagree with your view on emerging markets. Okay. I think when you when you combine the fact that the that China's reserve ratio requirement mm -hmm. declined, and you look at um, the fact that Draghi is saying that he's going to do more quantitative easing and more bonds, and the fact that there's just no bonds in Europe, there's nothing to there's buy. Nothing to buy. The fact is that there's just too much liquidity in the world. There's more liquidity is being injected in the world. I think it's going to go into emerging markets. I'm not saying that this is, you know, a structural change. I think that emerging markets are going to be, you know, negatively impacted over the medium term. But I think yeah. tactically for this year, I think emerging markets is a great place to be. I think you get you can get some decent yields, and I think you can get some good capital appreciation. I, in and terms I, just, of I just don't think I think I think when you look at the U.S., it's like really like it's two two thousand fifty on the S and P. Like where where are you going? Like you can't hide anywhere. It's so expensive. It's not desperately expensive. It, it is expensive relative to history and possibly relative to other markets. And certainly, if you look at the difference in, say, PEs between the developed markets and emerging markets, that very heavily points towards emerging markets. Mm -hmm. But, and the reason we, we're still pretty negative is there, is there are two things. 
the US are going to raise rates. Now, whether it's in December or it's shortly it's after that, next year. It, the timing is less relevant than the fact it's going to happen. And you've got to expect the market to anticipate it's going but to happen, which we've knows. already but seen. But everybody knows. Yes, everybody, everybody knows. knows. Right. But it'll also, I think at this stage, the most important thing is that it does happen because what it's actually done is create uncertainty over the Fed mm. and where it's going. And I just think getting it over and done with will in itself be a positive for markets. That still weighs as a negative for emerging markets. It's still a positive for the US dollar. And the US dollar going up is, is, is key because of the effect it's having on emerging markets Agreed. and the value of the, uh, particularly the corporate debt outstanding. I agree. But it's not happening this year. But, uh, but I, I think that's far less relevant. I mean, yeah, market, but I want to invest today. Thing. But I need to invest today. I need to invest today for the next for the next three months. Like, where am I going to get invest for the next three months? I well, we're we saying can. tactically, we're saying we're staying long of equity, but just very selectively because we no. think it's going to be a turbulent three months. Of, of the emerging markets, um, uh, last time, uh, Asel and you uh, highlighted uh, Mexico and yes. India on a relative basis as, as one yes. you like. Um, and I think I asked the question, are we taking exposure to those? And the answer was in a, in a binary way, or go long on those and short on others. Um, has there been any change in the tactical portfolio composition since last week? No, 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 it's the same. We've remained in the same position as last week. So following on from that, will we be increasing exposure to those two emerging markets in particular? At the moment, we're not looking to do it yet. As you say, as, as Atle said last week, it would in any case be a relative. Right. Um, because what you have seen, even though the, I mean, the reason for the relative discrepancy does go back to liquidity, these mm -hmm. are the ones that are not you know, at risk from capital outflows as much as, as a lot of the others are. But at the same time, when you see the emerging markets fall, you see them all fall. True, but, but right so, now you're just having, you're having the PBOC re reduce RRs, yes. you have the yes. ECB increasing liquidity in the world, so it's like it's the... That's that's all the liquidity in in EM comes from Europe, comes from Europe, and comes from and comes from the liquidity China. in EM largely comes in the markets largely comes from US dollar. No, the EM. It's Euro. It's the it's coming through the Euro. It's coming through credit based Euro mechanisms. Absolutely, hundred percent. Well, I would say a lot of the decline in the emerging markets this year is explained by the tightening in US dollar liquidity. Absolutely, it tightens through the US dollar, but it expands through the Euro. Absolutely, hundred percent. I'd I'll show you the data. Okay. But to the extent that what we have seen, certainly over the last quarter and so far this quarter, it's been liquidity that has dominated over growth. Totally. But we do expect that growth to show through, and particularly in emerging markets where it will show through is in earnings. And the re one of the reasons that PE looks so attractive is those earnings are very much at risk. I agree with that. I agree with that. Okay. okay. Any other questions? Any questions from the phone? Okay. Thank you very much. The organizer has disconnected, and this conference will continue for 60 minutes.